Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Dope Black Podcast. This is the Dope Black Dad Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. I'm here today for a very special episode. And today we're going to be talking about co-parenting and what to do with your family when things go wrong. Now, this is something that obviously is very close to all of our hearts. We are people that have had human beings. We've birthed them. They've come from us, or particularly a woman. Um, And men have stood there and watched and held hands and carried things and fixed things and driven uh, and gone to the supermarket and rubbed their forehead. They've done that part too. Um, You now have these human beings. But what we have never really looked into is what happens when these two fully formed adults are now have to actually raise this child on a long-term basis. Uh, today, I'm joined by Aisha O'Reilly. How are you doing, Aisha? I'm good, Marvin. How are you? Let's say it correctly, because I realise that when these, the, you know, sometimes it's Aisha and it's, it's really it's Aisha, you have to get it right. How do I <laughs> say it? Honestly, I'm happy with both. Um, I would say half of my family and friends call me Aisha. The other half call me Aisha. So I respond to both. I just don't respond to Aisha, which I get a lot here before I have to correct people. (laughs) So I'm fine with Aisha. That's A-OK. We're going to do Aisha. Uh, So you have your own podcast, The Whole Mama Show. Uh, You also have an Instagram page and a blog. You're very passionate about all aspects of motherhood, discussing the topics uh, that many people may kind of shy away from, which is really interesting because we're going to dig into some today, Uh, including dealing with mum shame and guilt, postpartum depression, raising biracial children, amongst others. That's a really interesting one and something that I'm deeply passionate about. Um, And so I'm super intrigued. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you? What's been going on? I'm good thanks and firstly thank you for for having me um a lot of my friends and family know that I am a talker so I'm always always happy to chat and have conversations and discuss exactly what you mentioned you know my passion in parenting and motherhood in general um you asked me what was going on I am actually currently expecting my third child (laughs) um and so that has yeah that has taken up a lot of my time, a lot of my um, mental energy and physical energy, of course, as well, preparing for this third baby. Um, but otherwise, good, all good. I can't complain. So tell me about the other two children you do have. And do you know what the, the gender is of your third child? Yeah, so I have two sons. So the sex, sorry? I, I have two sons. Um, mm-hmm. And yes, the third one we do know, but we're not sharing at the moment. We haven't told anybody. Um, so it's just one of those things. I think my husband and I, we, we prefer to have as, as many, um, bits of information about our unborn baby, uh, you know, sort of in public, we would prefer not to have so much of that, um, even amongst our friends and family. Cause I think a lot of the times these days, everybody wants to know everything about the baby before it's even born. And so sometimes we just 
prefer to just keep it <laughs> to ourselves. But the two babies that I, I have birthed already, they are two boys. Um, Kai is five years old, five going on 15. And Kenzo is almost two years old. Uh, so yeah, I am one of those uh, very, I don't want to say crazy, um, but sometimes I do think I'm, I'm a bit I'm a bit crazy for doing this, having another baby in the middle of a pandemic. It's going to be my second pandemic baby. <laughs> wow, your second. Wow. Okay, brilliant. Well, look, we love the fact that you are making more healthy and amazing children from warm, loving families and homes. We need more of those types of children being raised. So um, in many ways, thank you for contributing positively to the population. <laughs> um, in terms of, you know, now you have a family, what, what, how does that kind of work with your husband in terms of going to your third child? Well, how active and, and what roles does he normally play? Oh, this is, this is such a great question because I actually just recorded um, a video on this. It's actually going to go live later this afternoon. And um, so to use the term only because it's widely recognized, uh, my husband is very much a hands-on dad. Um, and I, you know, I sort of put that disclaimer because I actually don't really appreciate or uh, you know really like the term hands-on dad uh mostly because there isn't really a female equivalent nobody says that a mom is a hands-on mom um because it, it i don't know i feel like it's quite loaded uh in the sense that there's an expectation that dads are very hands-off um and so to get them to be a bit more involved with you know the sort of what i call the grunt work of child rearing um, a lot of things have to happen. And so my, you know, I, I spoke about in my video, um, that we as moms need to also encourage that. Um, and I definitely found that with my husband, it was something that we had to actually sit down and, and discuss exactly how he's going to, uh, be involved in our kids' lives outside of the traditional role of being the provider. Um, you know, the sort of everyday things that I would be expecting of him and, what he would be expecting of me as well. So to sum it up, I would definitely say he's very hands-on. He's very involved. Um, I thankfully don't, I, I don't have that situation where if I have to go on a business trip or any other reason for me to be away from the house, he knows what needs to be done. <laughs> you know, he, he knows what needs to be done. He can handle himself. I've seen it with some friends and colleagues where they're calling their partners and making sure that the kids bathed and fed and all of that. Um, but he just knows and he just does it. So he is very, very much a co-parent in that sense, even though, yes, we're married. Um, I, I think it is one of those things that sometimes you, you take for granted that you're married and you're going to parent equally uh, with your partner. And that's not necessarily the case with, with some people. I fully understand. And in terms of if you were to characterize, you know, what your expectations of him are versus what is delivered, how close is he to delivering on those things? We all understand that men aren't going to make it 100% in, their, in, in someone's views. But like, what, what would you say those gaps are? Wow. Honestly, I, I know you you already kind of preempted it in a way, uh, but he delivers. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. He delivers. Um, he meets the expectations. I would say, though, it's very different now compared to when we first became parents. When we first became parents, I'd say he was meeting my expectations like maybe 40 percent, 50 percent. 
Um, whereas after, you know, going through that, especially that first year of parenthood together, um, having a lot of very honest and sometimes painful conversations about what it is that I expected of him and what he expected of me, um, and actually giving each other a chance to, to better ourselves and improve. Um, we're at a point now where we're about to welcome my third kid and I, I, I really don't really have anything to, to sort of complain about or mentioned that there's a gap there to be to be totally honest yeah uh, you, you mentioned a little bit earlier about um hands-on dad being sort of like lazy language or you know not particularly representative yeah. um, where, where's your understanding where did you get your education or, or awareness of what type of healthy parenting looks like because um, uh, you know it's violently different um, essentially being, you know, in South Africa or where would you, is it Tanzania you're originally from? Yeah, I'm, I'm originally from Tanzania, but uh, um, I, I grew up. So as I was saying, how do you rec- reconcile the differences? Are there differences from Tanzania versus Johannesburg versus being in the UK versus Europe versus, you know, have you seen any differences and observed it? Where did you get your understanding or values around parenting? Um, I've, I've definitely seen a difference Um, So, I mean, just to give you a a very, very quick background. um, So I'm originally from Tanzania. My whole family is Tanzanian and my my parents are still based there. But because of my dad's job, we traveled around the world um, throughout my life. Um, up until I was about 18, 20 years old. So I grew up in a lot of European countries as well. So I actually kind of got um, my understanding of the world in general um, from everything. So we had the culture at home. We had the rules at home. We had the tra- very traditional. My dad was the provider and he was an excellent provider. He was great at, you know, ticking that box. Um, but when it came to, you know, sort of being hands on or um, sort of emotionally uh present for lack of a better term that was something that was definitely missing in my um, upbringing mine and my siblings and I think that that's actually quite normal for a lot of um, a lot of African parents in general Um, uh, and then with my mom very similarly she was the traditional housewife she quit her job after she had my second sister and so she followed my dad wherever he, he went so I had that as a huge example. And to be honest with you, as much as I love my parents and I appreciate the way that they brought me up, that's something that for me, I said, I don't think that that's what I want when I become, you know, a a mom and a wife to somebody. I would like to keep maybe one or two of those things, but the rest of them, I want to actually, you know, uh, use my the influence that i've i've been uh, exposed to from the european side of things which was a very very different so i had a lot of european friends i go over to their houses their dads were very 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 relaxed with them um they'd have like you know different kinds of conversations that i had with my dad growing up uh, so they weren't just necessarily the provider they were also friends they were also um, you know, with in terms of marriages as well, I did see a little bit more affection um, being being shown. So I kind of, to be honest, took a little bit of everything that I witnessed growing up. Um, also the media as well. Uh, so I would say it's been a huge mixed bag. And then obviously experiencing it myself and being in my marriage with my husband, we also figured out what works for us and what doesn't. What are some of the 
kind of reoccurring themes. I'm not going to go, go, go into detail, but what are the reoccurring themes that do come up um, in terms of like you and your, your husband? In terms of how we raise our kids or just marriage in general? Both. I think they both feel really important. I suppose they kind of play into each other, I suppose. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it's it has nothing to do with the kids. <laughs> um, I'd say, okay, let me start with, with marriage. I think reoccurring themes are definitely... Um, how we spend time with each other, um, especially now bringing in the the parenting part of it, our, our time is not ours. <laughs> so we really have to be very, very specific and very intentional about when we're actually going to spend quality time together. I mean, it's one thing, you know, being in the same house, but are you actually spending time with, with me? You know, um, then when it comes to parenting, at the moment, because it really changes as our kids are getting older, but at the moment, especially with our five-year-old, it's very much handling these big emotions that he seems to be, uh, <laughs> that seem to be presenting um, a lot and how we manage that and how to be intentional about how we're raising him to be still, a, a, you know, a boy in that sense, but a boy who can handle and manage his emotions in a, in a healthy way. So I think that at the moment yeah. is really, really big in our conversations. Mm, that's really dope. And it's just like, I suppose in terms of like choosing him, the more romantic part, what, what did you see in him before that? Cause I assume was, was it marriage in mind? Was it like, was that the secondary thought? How do you go about choosing somebody? What's the first, second, third things that you start to identify? Ah, wow. I really have to cast myself back. I've been with my husband for 18 years so I really need to think about that. Um, I would say for me, the I, I knew I wanted to marry him. I wanted to end up marrying him. Let me say that um, quite soon. Um, how I was going to get there, I didn't know at the time because we were really young. Um, but I just, I really, until this day, I love how humble he is as a person. Um, so when it came to, you know, like you said, the sort of romantic, um, you know, side of things, I loved that I was able to learn certain, I guess, traits from him. And the biggest one to date is that he's the most humble person I know. And, you know, I've, I've met a lot of people and, um, he's just, he, he never thinks of himself differently to anybody. And it doesn't matter who you are. And so that's definitely something that I fell in love with him straight away with and still do love. Um, and then also just his character in general. How does he treat other people? How does he treat women? How What's his relationship with his mother like? Um, and so that way, it, it, it kind of helped me figure out if this is something um, that I would actually like for my kids you know, um, to, to become, because at the end of the day, that is really what we're, what we're doing here. We're molding our children, um, quite closely after ourselves. And, um, so for me that, that made, it made a lot of sense for me to want to have children with him because I wanted to have children who were going to take after their dad, you know. And then you mentioned, uh, his relationship with his mother. What, what meanings do you take Mm. from relationship with with his mother? Not his specifically, but someone's uh, mom. Someone's mom. I think I think there's a lot to be said about somebody who doesn't respect their mother. <laughs> um, and I, I get it. I, I know that not everybody has a good relationship with their moms. Um, 
And as much as, you know, I hate to say this, there are there are moms out there who could have done better, you know, with raising their kids and, and all of that. But I think if she really did try her best and, um, you know, there was no toxic, toxicity um, in that relationship growing up, um, you still have people who don't check in on their moms, uh, you know, when they when they leave the house or um, they, you know, almost sort of like, yeah, she, she becomes an afterthought. And for me, it's not to say that I, I wanted to be with someone who was, you know, calling his mom all day, every day, but just to have that sort of level of respect and concern, genuine concern that his mom is okay. You know, that, that, that means something to me. And I think maybe also because I see that with my brothers, I have two brothers who love my mother dearly. You know, our mother is very, very loved by all of us. And it's not one of those things. There's a bit of a saying that goes around where it's like, um, if you have girls, then your girls, your daughters will always look after you. Um, when you're getting old and frail and your, your, your sons just leave, leave you. But, um, that's definitely not the case with my, with my brothers. And that's something that I really wanted in, in my husband as well. That's a really nice value. And then just in terms of like yourself, you said you've been together for 18 yeah. years. Now I'm going to tread very carefully. <laughs> yeah. 18 years and you're now married. You have yeah. three children. Is, was there a part of you? So I, I, do you want to? Can you give me an age bracket that you were when you met? I don't want to go into ages, but like specifically a rough what phase in your life is this? University, college, school? What, what phase of your life are you in? It was, it was school. I'm I'm an open book with this, Marvin. No problem speaking about <laughs> it. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was 18 years old. I was 18. <laughs> And he was 17, a few months younger than me. But yeah, oh, so it's a bit of a running joke between us. <laughs> so yeah, so we were... <laughs> um, so we were... We are high school sweethearts. Um, we met in grade 11. Um, we started... I put dating in quotes because, you know, you can't really... There's not much dating that you can do in boarding school <laughs> um, yeah. at that age. Um, but yeah, we started like, yeah, dating at, um, at age 18 and we've been together ever since we broke up very, very briefly when I left South Africa to, um, to get my education, to get my degrees. I had an opportunity to, you know, study anywhere in the world. Um, so I left and so we just naturally said, okay, well then that's it. Um, but it took us what, maybe about a week or two of missing each other and we're like you know what let's just try it if we break up naturally then we break up naturally it's no big deal and we've just never broken up since then so mm. yeah and then in terms of like you know uh, how long you've been together for 18 years has there been phases where you've had to and this is more of a personal question really it's not really related to, to him but like where you considered like you committed too soon too fast that you didn't get a chance to explore other parts do you have the ability to explore ideas inside your marriage and like be your full self definitely definitely um we are very very open very open about um our our individual dreams our individual goals um that's something that's always been the case i definitely think that if we weren't that way then he would have felt some type of way in the beginning when I said, Hey, I'm leaving, I'm leaving South Africa to go and get an education piece, <laughs> you know? Um, cause all of my friends thought I was nuts. They're like, why aren't you staying with him? If you really are in love with him, it's like, yeah, but I, I have to, 
um, do this for me. And he got that. It wasn't even a conversation. So it's always been the case. Uh, even when, you know, we had plans and one of us says, you know what, can we do this long distance thing for one more year? Cause I really want to do a, B and C first before we move in together, etc. So we've always been very open about that. Um, especially from an individual point of view, what it is that you want to do. Um, and how can I support you in that? Mm. And then would you say that marriage is still very patriarchy led? Would you agree with that statement? I think generally, yes, definitely. I think generally, um, ah, that's a good question. I think it's unhealthy. (laughs) Um, more so than it is healthy. I think it's healthy in the aspect of we, we are very much living in a patriarchal world. And so, um, it's healthy in the sense of fitting into that, you know, because I think for me, and it's something that I've been thinking about, I've been speaking to my girlfriends a lot about, um, if it, if it's, if your marriage isn't set up that way, I feel that it's, it's generally more at risk of um, possible outside factors, you know, sort of interfering a little bit with your marriage because everybody else has these patriarchal views, whether it's male or, or female um, people in your life, uh, because that's just traditionally how it is. Um, whether it's healthy, um, I think. I think there's room. Let me say that I think there's room for um, it to be less so. Um, but I think it's going to take a long time for us to get to that to that point. I think we're we're moving in that direction. But I think ultimately we always get but be- you know put back into this. You know, the the man is the head of the house, and yeah. as women we need to submit or we need to support or whatever it is. You know, I mean, there's that saying behind every gay man there's a great woman. It's always like that. So I think we're 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 heading there, but I think we're not there yet. Mm. What have you had to give up to be you? Oh, do you mean to be me currently? As yeah, your full self, your mother, yeah. incredibly intelligent, uh, your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's lots of things that I can see that I would perceive into a positive con, but I assume you have a, an awareness of to be who you are today. You had to give up something, mm-hmm. or did you? Wow, Marvin. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually quite stumped. I don't know. Um, okay. I think for me, what's definitely top of mind, but it's a temporary giving up, is giving up my body. Um, mm. Especially, you know, being pregnant, breastfeeding, um, and that whole postpartum recovery was something that I, I I felt was 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 kind of forced on me as a woman. You know, it's like you have no other choice. <laughs> you are the child bearer in this situation. Um, and I think that's something that I was really starting to struggle with again after I had my second son in 2020 and uh, trying to sort of you know, do the whole stereotypical get back, you know, the whole snapback body kind of thing and looking at old pictures. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm not even dressing the same anymore. Um, and it all sounds very superficial, but it, it does. And it did definitely play a huge role in um, it, it, it affected my psyche a lot um, and how I show up in 
different areas in my marriage, in um, social at social events, for example. Um, so I de- that's something that I I know I'm not going to get back. I'm not going to mm. get back my my pre baby body. So yeah, I would I would say that top of mind. That's something that I gave up. And then secondly, um, also very temporarily, my mental health. Um, mm. I suffered from postpartum depression after my first son. And honestly, after I had him, it was what three years until my husband and I decided that we're going to try again for a second baby. And a lot of that had to do with that, uh, you know, my mental health and being okay and thinking if I have the capacity to actually uh, bring in another human being and the whole time being pregnant, worrying that that was going to be the outcome again. Um, so it's something that I, I'm healthy now, I'm fine. Um, but it's something that is definitely in the back of my mind as this could happen again. Mm. Yeah. And and have you, if, if you had to sort of destroy and rebuild the way that your life is working, would, would you keep it the same? I, I think one of the key things is, um, so I got asked uh, by my wife at the time, at maybe 2016, mm. 17, um, what, what does happiness look like to you? And I reeled off what a perfect day was going to be like. And my, the variables were in it. She was in it. The children were in it. What I did as a purpose were in it. But the place I did them in was very yeah. different. I had more space mm. and time um, to myself. Uh, I worked out mm. in this vision. I had an amazing dinner with my friends in this vision. I was in great tropical weather with a, a spacious home in that vision. Um, and all of those bits that weren't in it really landed with me as like, I, I, I'm not actually living the life that I want. I'm, I'm accepting a life that just happens to have been created. What I saw was possible at the time. How much of your life would you keep versus redesigning? I, I'd say um, very similarly to you, I would definitely keep, you know, the key players in, in my life for sure. Mm. <laughs> you know, like my husband's there, my kids are there, this new baby, you know, God willing, um, will be there. And um, I would, I would, and this is hands down, I would definitely live somewhere else. <laughs> if I could, I would live somewhere else. It's a good question. For me, I'm like, anywhere but here. <laughs> really? Um, really, tell, tell really. Um, the, the, it's, it's what I was, um, you know, sort of talking to you about earlier. It's for me, the safety factor of being, of raising, first of all, being a woman, let me start there. First of all, being a woman in South Africa is very scary for me. Um, it's not to dissuade anybody who's been thinking about coming to South Africa or anything, but the reality is there is just a lot of, um, violence that happens uh, on this side. Um, and I know that that's the thing. A lot of people say, yeah, but violence happens everywhere and stuff. But to be honest here, it's on another level. And so that fear is very real and it's every day. Um, and now raising children as well, that worries me a lot. Um, I think it's very different when you are a sort of Johannesburg native. And I've definitely noticed that and had those conversations with my friends who were born and raised here. They're like, no, but it's not that bad or whatever. But it's only when they leave the country and they go somewhere else and they're like, ooh, actually, I didn't realize that it was, you know, so sort of ingrained in me. And so because I am an outsider, it's, it's the opposite is ingrained in me, you know. Um, 
So that is a very, very real fear of mine um, as a woman and now as a mother. So I think I would live somewhere else in that sense. Or if I could change, um, you know, the, the sort of crime rates, then I would do that and stay here. No problem. Um, so I would probably go somewhere a little bit more peaceful. Um, I'm not sure exactly mm. where at this point. Um, and then I would have, uh, as everybody says, I'd have more money, <laughs> you know, um, just to give me that freedom mm-hmm. to um, decide what it is that, uh, you know, I want to do, what schools to send my kids, sco- my kids to that kind of thing, you know, um, mm. I would redesign it in that way. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty beautiful. I think one of the, the other things that um, I was in my redesign was just like more intimacy, more um, and I, I define it to not just not just in the physical realm, but in multiple realms. And I think the closeness mm. lost um, as you become parents, it just, you just, you know. And also, mm. I think, and I'd love to know if this is. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. True for you. One of the things that my wife at the time did say is that she mentioned that the physical interaction with the children impacted her desire to be physically interacted with as a woman and as a, a wife. Is is that something that you could agree with? I can definitely relate to that. Um, especially when I was breastfeeding my kids, it was like, you, you get touched out. You, you really do. That's a, that's a genuine thing. And I think that's something that, Um, I can understand for a lot of um, men, husbands, partners, um, it's quite difficult to understand because, you know, how I mentioned earlier, so much is expected of me as a woman from a physical point of view to bring this child into the world. And it doesn't stop at childbirth. Um, You know, it's the cuddles. It's the sometimes it's hitting. And some people don't. I think some 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 people who aren't parents yet don't realize it's not always soft, sweet touches. Sometimes your child smacks you and you have to tell them hey you know (laughs) mommy doesn't like that um or it's pinching you know when they're learning what it is how it is to sort of interact with people um breastfeeding as well very very uh painful journey the first time around um and that definitely affected not just that but everything in general but it was part of it definitely affected um how i showed up in our intimate moments, you know, with my husband, um, and the, the sort of feeling a bit nervous and unsure and don't touch me there. And I don't want you to see this. And it's just quite overwhelming. So I definitely, definitely relate to that. Um, I think for me, because I'm on child number three, I've learned a bit more how to sort of manage that. Um, and also tell him and be honest with him and not keep quiet about it. And he's wondering what's up, you know, why aren't you into this? So he also knows and he's able to sort of give me that time to get into things um, and, uh, you know, accept that things are a little bit different. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad, bad thing. We just have to almost relearn each other in that sense. Mm. You know, how, yeah. how do you? Yeah. 
the world has changed in the last 18 years. I think the attitude towards women has changed dramatically. Even in South Africa, there's probably way more awareness than there was 18 years ago. Um, we've had more space created for conversations for gay and lesbian parents, uh, trans parents. Uh, we've had more uh, awareness in terms of neurodiversity, disabled parents. What, you know, how, how do you see the conditions from then and now? And, and inherently, if these things appeared in your family, what kind of approach would you take? That is in your children, if they were to oh, present to you in that way, how would you handle it? Yeah. Wow. How much time do we have? <laughs> um, you know, I'm asking that because it's something that my husband and I, you know, um, talk about quite often, actually. Um, as you said, a lot has changed. And to be totally honest with you, I'm not quite sure. I have no idea. I think before I became a mom, I had the conversations of, you know, um, maybe if my, my child was homosexual. And it kind of ended there, you know. Um it didn't really go into the consideration of transgender because to be totally honest with you at the time, I didn't even know that that, you know, that that was, um, I don't know what, what to actually call it necessarily. Like that, that was a reality for so many people. Um, mm. it was definitely just the past couple of years. I'm like, Oh, okay. Um, this, this is the case. So I, I think for me, I would like to think that, I would approach any kind of um, so-called um, difference, you know, and I'm putting that in quotes with mm. my children. Um, I think I would approach it very much from an unconditional love point of view, because I really honestly, when I when I hear and watch these stories of people who come out as transgender or, um, you know, anything, anything but cisgender and hom and heterosexual, I ache for them. I really do because a lot of them are ousted by their families. They are, um, you know, ostracized and their parents sort of, you know, um, and I just can't imagine doing that to my own flesh and blood, literally. So I would like to think that I would handle it a little bit more sensitively. It might take me some time to get on board with it or to understand it. I would definitely put time, effort and energy to understand it. Um, and understand them and what it is that they're going through. Um, because at that point, it really isn't about me, really. You know, I can I can handle myself separately, but it's not about me. It's about them and making sure that um, at the end of the day, my husband and I have a goal. And that is to raise and deliver good people out in the world. It's not good boys specifically. And it's not necessarily good girls specifically. It's good human beings. And mm. if my child is not harming anybody in whatever it is, whatever aspect of their life, um, then, you know, I how can I how can I go against that? I just want to support that and love them through it. Mm, really powerful. And then just in terms of, you know, the kids that your children experience. So there's not, it's not just what you put into your children. It's what your children then go out. I assume, how old are your, your, your first two? So my oldest son is five. He's turning six uh, later this year. And then my second born is almost two years old. Yeah. So your oldest is, has just started school, I believe. It's probably in his first yeah. second school. Um, how yeah. how have you seen the adoption of like, you know, you plugged into him all these values for five years and he goes off into the world and he spends as much time there as he does do at home now. Um, how yeah. have you seen the adjustment as to like what you've put into him being applied in school versus like friends and teachers and things? 
Who's winning the battle? Who's coolest? <laughs> I think right now his friends are probably the coolest. If his friends are the coolest, his um, teachers know everything. So, <laughs> you know, he's always telling us that. Um, but he's still, he still, he does still um, sort of, you know, listen, listen to us and things like that. But it's, it's a bit of a tug of war sometimes. Um, and just in terms of like the values and everything so far, the, the feedback that we've gotten from anybody outside of the family, including his teachers is that, you know, he, he's a very, you know, a polite, happy. And I think for me, that's the biggest thing that he's a happy child. Um, and that he's very outspoken, which I already knew even before I gave birth to him, I knew that I was going to have a strong willed son. Um, and, um, and, and he's, he, he listens and he's friendly. So all of that is, you know, sort of being reflected back to us, which is great. And, you know, I think any parent can, can be proud of that, that, you know, like you, you were saying, like, you know, you instill certain values and you want to, if you see them sort of being mirrored back at you, then you feel quite proud, right? I'm sure that's the case with, with you and your kids. Mm. Have you ever named your own values? Have you named them? Yeah, I would say I've, I've named them. Or the world has named them, you know. <laughs> Share them with us. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, being honest, um, authentic, rather. Let's say authentic to yourself um, and being loyal as well. Um, especially if you if you have pledged loyalty in some way to people. Um, those are really, really big values for me as well as, um, you know, I think related to both of them is, and it sounds cliche, but it's the truth. Treat others the way you would like to be treated, you know, don't be a hypocrite. Um, so, so that's what the, you know, those are the, the core values that I would say on my mm, side. Powerful. I think one of the things that I really connected to is just, I try not to be mm. my own story. And I try to do, I try to stick to my values as much as possible, which are, they live outside of me. And then I realize that I have to walk into them. I think I intentionally made all my values quite inspirational. So things like being authentic, uh, I am now at a place where I'm comfortable to be myself in every room all the time. Uh, and I don't make adjustments for surroundings. But that took a certain level of time and connection to, you know, even awareness of things like imposter syndrome to understand that I am here. Yeah and powerfully uh, the other thing is that i'm inherently curious and so maybe these questions that you're starting to experience are a part of that these are genuinely questions that i wanted to know there is no script here mm. and in that curiosity i'm able to actually find and discover real things out about myself about other people how the world works and it fuels my purpose but also it lights something interesting and fi a fire in me um, and then I think the other thing is integrity, being a person of my word. If I say I'm going to be there, I'm there. If I say I can't, I'm just can't. And like whatever the thing is, I reestablish my integrity often uh, if I am misaligned from it. And I think that then just enables the people that know me to set a watch by me. And they know that when I say I'm coming, I'm coming. And when I say I'm committed, I'm committed. Um, and I think that those four are the most important ones to me. But it's interesting that... Uh, the more I leaned into my values, the more uh, uh, someone phrased it as you have to shake the tree a little bit. 
and change the people that are around you to make sure that you're able to stay within your values. You know, have you ever had to, you know, consider, because I assume you, you know, you have your nucleus, you have the family you came from and then the people wider to that and plus what you do. Have you ever found that your values uh, came out of the cost of the people around you? Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and to be honest, I think it's one of those things that I'm, I'm, I reflect on quite often now that I'm getting older because these are values that have been integral to me since I was younger, you, you know? And so when, when I would come across um, or be in certain relationships, especially from a friendship point of view, um, and, and those values were sort of challenged um, or somebody expected me to not uphold them, uh, a lot of the times I would react in a, in a very sort of defensive way and just say, okay, well, you know, if, you, if, if that's not you, then we can't be friends, <laughs> you know. Um, and I think, um, especially in, in that time, um, that was something that we didn't really necessarily do. You didn't necessarily break friendships off when you were in your early 20s or your teens or whatever. Um, and so nowadays, I, to be totally honest with you, I, I don't think I'm as sort of strict. Um, if somebody has a different value system to me, but they're still a good friend to me, um, then I kind of consider it a little bit more or a little bit longer because not everybody's going to be on the same page as you. Um, but obviously if it's something that is really, really like, I can't, I can't with this, then I'll speak up about it. Um, I'll, I'll give that person a chance and, you know, also be open to them telling me as well. You know, you know what, Aisha, you just, you expect too much or whatever it is. And, you know, maybe it's something that I need to work on as well. Cause at the end of the day, that is, that should be, I think how friendship should work. It should be a two way street. Um, so yeah, definitely that has, that, that has come across, um, in my life quite often. Um, I think maybe because I have been very, um, I, yeah, for lack of a better word, quite, quite strict on that. Um, and if anybody, yeah, deviates in that sense, then for me, I, I think I just try to protect myself and say, okay, I'm, I'm, we're good. The season, the season of our relationship, or our friendship is, is done. Yeah. But these days I'm a, I'm a bit more understanding. Mm. Who taught you, Love and care. Who, where did you actually learn that from? Or how to love, what love is, even from a romantic sense or even from, you know, how to love your children. Is it, in your mind, intuitive? Is it spiritual? Is it a practice? Is it a behavior? How, how do you understand your love and the difference between your, the love you have for your husband and your children? Ooh, Marvin. <laughs> These are some deep questions. I'm really like, wow. Um... <laughs> Who taught me love? I think it was, I think it was a mix of people. Um, definitely, obviously my family, you know, um, there's a certain kind of love that I grew up with mm. and there was a certain kind of love that I wished that I had growing up. So I, I wish that, um, you know, we were more affectionate, that we not just physically, but also um, with our words, you know, um, I'm 36 years old. <laughs> My mother has never said I love you to me you know those actual words um and that's the case with pretty much anyone in my family i think if anything my siblings we've said it to each other maybe once um and that's a big deal for me 
um, as a person who, you know, values words of affirmation and they, they make me feel loved and appreciated. Um, but they show me love in different ways. They, they show me love in ways of, you know, showing up and the loyalty aspect of, of, of my set of values definitely came from my family growing up. Um, but then also, you know, growing up, I was very privileged to have really good friends as well. You know, um, friends who even in our teenage years were, were very, very supportive. It wasn't a superficial friendship until this day. I'm good friends with quite a few of my friends from high school, um, from university days as well. And then, um, my husband himself, you know, he's just shown me just so much grace and love and you know those times when i thought oh i am so unlovable in this moment <laughs> um he still shows up and he still um you know puts it behind him because he knows who i am um outside of that moment where maybe i'm not being the nicest person um or being the most fair and so i've taken all of that and um put it together for my kids you know i think it's it's, it's one of those things that a lot of people expect moms to just just show up and love their kids no matter what. But there are times where you're just like, I'm tired. You know, I'm exhausted. Um, the, my, my mental load is at its capacity. So you have to kind of intentionally be, you know, when your kid comes having a tantrum that you think this is absolutely ridiculous right now. Why are you crying about this? You have to really intentionally think to yourself, okay. Um, this is my child. Um, they need me in this moment and they need me to show love in this moment, even though they're, you know, maybe behaving badly or they're reacting, um, uh, you know, sort of outside of the norm, uh, according to you. And just to take a step back and say, OK, what does Kai need right now? That's my oldest son. What does he need right now? Um, how do I meet him in this moment with just love, with just uh, making sure that he knows that no matter what he says, no matter, he, no matter what he does, even if mommy might get upset about it, mommy still loves him. There isn't a condition on that. Um, and so for me, that I, I think it's, it's by doing, you know, it's to, to really answer your question in a short thing. It's, a, it's by doing, it's by recommitting every day. It's about waking up the next day, um, challenging yourself to do better and be better and bring more of yourself to the relationship. Amazing. Is yeah. there, if yeah. I think, look, if your husband was was listening to this, is there something that he he needs to hear from you or to know about how you feel or experience him? Is there something, just, just anything, good or bad or happy or sad, just something that he really needs to land with? Because I think one of the things is that I, I realised um uh, in my marriage that when things went wrong I couldn't always hear in the moment and actually there was one podcast I listened to that she was doing with somebody else and she said something so simple about uh, I think uh, I, I know that our children's pregnancies were both high risk one of them was slightly more urgent than the other and then she basically created a mini timeline of like what was going on for her and because she was talking to somebody else it made me hear it differently like I, I experienced it as in like my worry and I know something's not right, but my worry, how I feel, I'm scared, I'm concerned, I want to help, da 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 That's what was going through my head mm -hmm. as she was me. In the moment, in the clearing between me thinking and feeling that and discovering how she experienced that time, I immediately leaned mm -hmm. in. I was, you know, how somebody would if someone said I had cancer, for example. I would lean in 
and like, how can I help? What do you need? Here's a gift. Tell me to make some food for you. Da, 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 da. But when she's, when I discovered that, I was like, oh, our baby. That was the first thing that said that went through my mind. And I don't think I gave the care to her. Is, is there something even like that, that you think is really important for your husband to know? I think it's really important for him to know that he is valued um, more than, like sort of beyond his so-called role, um, mm. his traditional role of being a provider. You know, um, that's something that uh, I, 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 I don't know, maybe the past year or two, and I, I came across, I'm not quite sure where exactly. I don't know if it was also another podcast or where it was, but um, the man who was speaking was saying that for him, he just kind of feels like he's the he's the bank, you know, he's the um, he's the the money making machine and and all of that. And even though obviously traditionally that is what is expected of men in general, um, that's not only that's not what the only thing that I expect from him, and it's not the only thing that I get from him. And so I don't I don't want him to because I think a lot of men they 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 not only put this pressure on themselves, but it's put on them by society, by, you know, families, by partners like us, like, you know, what have you brought to the table, you know, in terms of like funds, you know, in terms of our, our house, how big is our house and where do we live? What cars do we drive, etc. And a lot of that, we look at men to, to figure out. And it's not that easy, especially in this day and age, it's really not easy. It's a lot of pressure. Um, and I don't ever want him to think that as long as he's doing that, um, that I'm going to love him, you mm. know, and if he's not, then I'm not going to love him or I'm not going to appreciate him. I'm not going to appreciate what he, what he means to the family, you know, um, that, that is something that I really, cause I've, I've heard it many times where men feel like they're failures because they've lost their jobs or, um, they aren't making that salary that they necessarily like were, were aiming for that getting that promotion, et cetera, and worried about what their wives and their kids and their families are going to think of them. And for me, it's like, it's not to say that obviously that doesn't matter because we need to live. Sure. But I don't want that to be, um, his reason for, you know, doing what he's doing. I want him to do it because he genuinely loves it. He's hustling because he wants to, um, and knowing that no matter what, I'm I'm there. We're gonna be here. We're gonna support you. If you need to take a break, <laughs> for example, you know, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. Do I need to work a little bit more so that you can take that break? Whatever it is, we need to save money. Um, then then we do that together as a team. I don't want him to feel like he's alone in this. Yeah, I don't know. Did that did that did that answer your question? Oh. Yeah, and it, and it really is a, a, an important one. So many of the men that I speak to, and and just to be clear, yeah. I will pose this question to men on behalf of their partners also. We do this work all the time collectively. Does your partner know, like with that question, what you appreciate? What do you need to say to her? What do you need to apologize for? Yeah. Who do you need to give? Yeah. But it's great to be able to have it on the other end because I know from a man's perspective how disconnected they are from the collective mission of family at times. And too often, mm. carry on automates. And so they just assume that they know that they should be loved. And I think male programming is very, very different. You have to break through layers of facade and acts to get through to their heart and mushy stuff to move them sometimes. And like, if you love them yeah. and care, 
and that's a part of the labor of your love. If there's strange men on the street, no, dear black women, please stop trying to say random strange men. The labor is too intense and it probably isn't your work. But for the men that you do love, my invitation is to always yeah. be super intentional at really important points in terms of how you present that care, that love, um, because we need mm. it um, to the other side of the other things that we need. And um, yeah, I, I, I always want to invite, you know, partners in general, because I think even for me, just like if I showed up at particular points in a much more stable, consistent, powerful way from, you know, we will be together today. And I always think about those moments and I often um, apologize and go through them with her, just make sure she understands and then, and I acknowledge. But I think I think the hardest part is that once it's, it's broken, it's broken. That makes sense? And you won't know yeah. it's broken. It's like you might miss one thing, but you may catch some other things, but that thing is what really meant something. And so you don't know mm. what's going to break. It. So it's really important to kind of take that time and think about the week and the things that you may have missed, the times where he was like, I'm not happy or I'm struggling. And then you were like too busy or you missed it and go back to that conversation and make sure, you know, your partner in general is heard. But for you, your husband is heard on that particular topic and show up mm. for him and, you know, open the door as to what the possibilities can mm. be. I think that's, that's such a great um, lesson that, you know, that you're able to share with, with um, people like me who are still in marriages um, and trying to work through that. Because like you said, those are things that if you could have, you would have gone back to. Um, mm. And you don't know it's it's broken until it's broken, really. And I think that's the case with um, a lot of us. We just kind of assume that everything's fine and you just carry on and, you know, um, carry on doing what you were doing and saying what you're saying. But if that, whatever, maybe your words um hurt this person or maybe your actions uh, made them feel betrayed or whatever it is um and if you're not able to mend that before moving on then that's something that is going to be a forever wound that um just sort of carries on being open and not not sort of closed and um like you said you know just sort of giving that sort of validation to our partners, whether we're, we're male or female, that, you know, what, what you feel and what you think and um, all of that matters, you know. Um, and sometimes we don't show up. Let's be real. You know, we, we're not perfect. There are times where I'm not going to show up in the way that my husband maybe necessarily uh, needs me to and vice versa. And I think it's about the way I see it, it's about giving each other that grace to 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 do that and also give them the opportunity to show up next time, you know? Um, Cause if you, if you're like, you know what, you didn't show up this one time, then that's it. You don't even give them a chance. And I've definitely had to do that a, a lot of times in, in our marriage. And he's had to do that with me as well. Um, just being honest about, okay, this didn't sit right with me or this really hurt me deeply. Um, and even if I don't understand it, you know, I don't have to be able to relate to it because he, he lives, a, he walks a very different path to me as a man in this world. Um, but there are going to be times where he's, you know, he says something, he calls me out on something and instinctively I'm like, whoa, 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 hang on a minute. You shouldn't be seeing it that way. And you shouldn't be, you know, but these days I really do have to sort of take a step back and think, okay. If he's coming to me with this, then it means that it's it's really bothering him or it's really on on his heart. So I need to respect that and I need to give it the attention that it deserves, even if it's not necessarily something that I can say that I can relate to. Um, so that's something that I'm I have to consciously do. It doesn't come automatically to me, you know. 
Um, so that's what I think that we're in kind of that stage in our in our relationship, to be honest, to be a little bit more um, open and, um, you know, willing to sort of at least just listen to the other person's side before presenting our own, you know? So yeah. Well, look, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for being incredibly open. We actually had a different podcast plan on two different occasions and then we've come here and we just had a, a really interesting conversation. But I really appreciate you being open and flexible to how the podcast conversation just evolved, really, um, and letting more people into your life and into you. I'm sure they will find similarities in their world um, and try and apply some of the things that you know you shared, which is really, really powerful and important. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Marvin. Thanks for having me. And um, I think you guys are doing amazing, amazing work. You know, the podcast episodes that I've listened to, they've just been so honest and so needed as well. So keep doing what you're doing. I think you guys are doing a great job. And I'm just honored that you, you know, you've had me, you've had me on as a guest. So it was a real pleasure speaking to you today. Amazing. And where can people find you in your podcast and your blog and your platform? Where can they find all of those things? Okay, so my podcast is called The Whole Mama Show, Untold Stories of Motherhood. That is available on all podcast players. And um, on social media, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at Aisha and Life. That's A-I-S-H-A-A-N-D-L-I-F-E. And um, I also have a blog called AishaandLife.com. So yeah, that's where you can that's where you can find all of the different <laughs> aspects of of me and my very raw, very honest journey of motherhood. Amazing. Thank you so much and have an amazing day. Thanks Marvin, you too. Dope, Dope Black Podcast.